During worship last week, I saw a vision, and there was a few things that took place in the vision, but I saw a, a picture, a clear picture of a kookaburra. And I love the kookaburra, and I saw, I saw it, and I've been asking God all week, Lord, what is the kookaburra? And I saw it in relation to another bird that represents another nation, and I felt like God said to me that it was a nation. So I've been praying and thinking all week about these two nations, one of them being a kookaburra, obviously representing Australia. And I woke up all week, I've been so excited for this morning. There's just something in my spirit that's yearning for the church to awaken, to arise. And on the drive here this morning, I saw a dead kookaburra on the side of the road. And I was gobsmacked, because normally I, I, don't, I don't get excited or pick up on the prophetic things as much as maybe I should. But I was so baffled to see a dead kookaburra because it's not very often that that happens, right? You don't see dead kookaburras, especially not on the highway. I, I did a very naughty thing and did a very illegal U-turn to go back because I couldn't fathom what I had just seen. And I pulled up next to it and my, my heart sank. And all morning I've been focusing, asking God, what was the kookaburra? And why did I see one this morning? And during worship, I felt like God say that the nation is dying and I need my people to pray. I need my people to stand. And then when you turn the news on, you can see much of the pain, much of the suffering. But the promise that Jesus has given us is in us, his people. I'm going to speak a little bit this morning about where we're going as a, as a house and what God's burning and impressing on our heart. But I just felt that when I saw this, I felt like God say this. The enemy is trying to take something that I have placed in this nation. I have made this nation a great south land of the Holy Spirit. But he is partnering with us, the church, his people. Paul says the co-laborers with Christ, to co-labor. What that means is that we pick up the labor alongside Jesus. We can no longer sit on our hands and wait for these things to happen. The enemy is trying to take from us what God has given and meant for increase. When we sit back and go, well, God's going to bring the increase, right, he will, alongside you, his people, alongside me, his people. So off the back of that worship, I just want to, I just want to stand and I believe that as wild as it is, and it always makes me think of that movie, Troy, where they talk about bird signs, but I think there's something spiritual here that we can pray. So I'm going to ask if you would be so bold to just agree with me. After that worship, if, if you heard my sermon a few weeks ago, I spoke about the fact that in worship we get the ability to legislate on the behalf of God. I want to legislate this morning for this nation that His name will reign, that His kingship will reign. So Lord, we come this morning with our hands open. God, we don't come for some good feeling. We don't come, Lord, for some blessing or a pick-me-up, Father. We come because you are worthy, because you are the King of kings and the Lord of lords, Jesus. And your name reigns in this nation. Lord, this is your nation. God, and us as the lights, us as the image bearers in this place, we give back to you what's always been yours, Jesus. We lay down our lives to see your kingdom come in this place. We lay down our will to see your kingdom come in this place. Jesus, we ask for your wisdom amongst the leaders in this nation. 
We ask for your, your wisdom for the people in this nation. Lord, we ask that your people would put down the sword because we know that if we, if we live by the sword, Lord, your word says that we will die by the sword. But God, we live by you. We live in you. And Lord, we just ask this morning, we just stand in this place, in the spirit realm, we legislate your kingdom come, your will being done right here. Lord, right here in this place, in this house, in this nation, Lord, in this city, we declare the kingship of Jesus. Lord, may your name be known throughout these streets. May your name echo throughout these halls. Lord, this morning, this morning, Lord, we say yes to co-labor with you. Lord, we say yes to be Christians, not just on Sunday morning, but in our workplaces, in our families, to be, to be followers of, the, of Christ, to be those who have a healthy fear of the Lord. We stand this morning and we say, yes, Lord, we pick up your call. And Lord, we come against the spirit that's trying to break this nation. Lord, it says that our battle is not with flesh and blood, but it's in the spirit, Lord. And we come right now and we declare your wholeness. We declare your kingdom. We break the spirit of depression over this nation. We break the spirit of suicide over this nation, Lord. And we stand in your wholeness and we proclaim the gospel, the good news of you, Jesus, who died on that cross, who rose again and who ascended into power and who will come to, consum to consummate the age, Lord. We love you, Jesus. We honor your glorious name and we are not afraid. We are not afraid of the things of this age, Lord, because we stand with you and in you. And in your beautiful name, all your people said, Amen. Whew. Thank the Lord for that. Come. Come, Edith. When, um, just when Ben was sharing about this kookaburra being um, dead on the road, you know, the kookaburra, he laughs. I mean, we live up on the mountain. We hear them at 5, 4.30 in the morning just laughing their heads off. And I really had a sense that God wants to restore the joy of our salvation, the joy of his salvation to the body of Christ. So I just want to release that because I believe the enemy is trying to steal our joy. And when our joy is gone, our strength is gone. Because the joy of the Lord is our strength. So, Father, today I just want to release your joy, the joy of our salvation upon us as individuals, but also upon us as the house and also the body of Christ in this city and this nation. Lord, restore the joy that the enemy is trying to steal. And Lord, restore strength to the body of Christ in this nation, Lord God, that we would stand up and that we would take up the sword of the Spirit. And Lord, as Ben was saying, we do not fight against flesh and blood, but Father, we fight against an enemy that would try and steal the joy from our soul and the soul of this nation. So Father, I release the joy. I release your strength in the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 Now I hear that. I keep hearing that verse. That It's not a verse, actually. It's a quote that the pen is mightier than the sword. And I just want to share this morning what, 
What God has written in this is mightier than anything else we can combat against. I want to implore you, read this. That sounds like a silly thing to have to stand before a a group of believers and say. But I, I I love God's word. And as guys were laughing at me on Thursday night, because I, I just find so much value in individual words. I find so much value in, in what God has actually written and said to us and what we can actually behold. That Jesus said, uh, repent for the kingdom of God has come. That kingdom is before us, is in our hands right now. And this morning I want to speak about our vision and our, and our mission and our values and before those of you who have heard this turn off, I want to challenge you. If you've heard this a hundred times, great, don't turn off because I want to ask you, how are you helping us implement it? If you've heard this a hundred times and you go, Ben's doing his thing again, I want to ask you then, how are you helping us implement it? Like Moses, like God said to Moses, Moses, what's in your hands? What's in your hands this morning? If you are a part of this house, if you call this place home, You are not a number or a bum on a seat. You are a tool in the toolbox. We are all tools in the toolbox or we're workers on the field. You're a tool. (laughs) And I wouldn't have gone there if I didn't see Edie smirk. (laughs) Right, we want to, my my heart, mine and Jess, what we are are trying to establish in this house is that we would not just be Sunday morning Christians. We would not just be to come to get something to fill me up. That you guys are all just as gifted, just as called, just as talented as anyone who stands on this pulpit, of anyone who stands and preaches from this barrel, as anyone who leads worship. All of you carry something that needs to be released. All of us carry a gift and a calling in God. And the reason that we don't make a big song and dance about Vision Sunday, and I don't do it on the first uh, day of the year or the first service back, and we don't have a fancy thing is because I believe that vision is every day, that we have to cast and recast, realign and realign, stand with and understand again and again and again. Sometimes we have to ask, what's our vision again? Where are we going? What's happening? But I love the verse in Habakkuk 2 because it says, the Lord answers him. He answers Habakkuk and he says this, write the vision Make it plain on the tablets so he may run who reads it. For still the vision awaits its appointed time. It hastens to the end. It will not lie. If it seems slow, wait for it. It will surely come. It will not delay. What Kirsten brought this morning is bang on. And I am with all of you who have become frustrated. I've been there. Ask my wife. I get, I get annoyed almost. I have to go to God and say, what are you doing? You've given us all this prophecy. You've given us all these promise. You've called this nation again and again and again. Where are you in all of this? But he tells Habakkuk, if it is slow, wait for it. If it is slow, wait for it. You know, I've had people ask, Ask me, you know, there's, there's been so much prophesied over this house and so much prophesied over you. What's happening? My answer is always the same. I don't know. This is what I know. God's given me a lamp to the next step. I'm just going to take the next step. But I love what he says to Habakkuk in this because he says, write the vision clear 
Why? So those who read it may do what? Run with it. The vision that I'm going to cast this morning, which I've done time and time again, is not so that we can tick it off to say we've done it. It's so that you, all of you who call this place home, who you have said, God has called me to this house, it's so you may run with the vision. So the reason that I'm, I'm being challenging in the fact of what are you doing is that I want to ask you, if you've heard this before, what's in your hand? If you believe in this place, not for our sake, not for mine and Jess's sake, so that we can have a big ministry and we can put another feather in our hat or notch on our belt, it's so that the kingdom may come in this city and in this nation and in the nations. We play in this house a small part and I want to I challenge those of you who are thinking the fact of, or thinking, well, who am I? I'm nobody. I don't carry any specific things. I don't carry any, any major gift or influence. I was challenged with this during the week. A friend of mine, he challenged me and said, your house looks small, but what you carry in the spirit is large. You are important in this city. And that was challenging for me. Because I look around the room and there's a lot of bigger guys than me, a lot more well-to-do guys than me. And I sit there and said to the Lord, why am I here? What do I carry? But right there, I was challenged. Right in that place, I'm challenged to say, actually, my little part or my big part is needed in the big scheme of things. And that's the same with every single one of you. You all carry an important part in the kingdom. You all carry an important part. It's not about me. It's not about Jess. It's about the king of glory being known in this place, being known in this city, being known in this nation. One Corinthians three ten to eleven says this. Paul speaking to the church in Corinth, according to the grace of God given to me, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation, and someone else is building upon it. Let each one take care how he builds upon it, for no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid which is Jesus Christ. The reason Jesus is the cornerstone, who uses that language that Jesus is the cornerstone, is an old building term. I've got to keep my eyes on Dan to make sure that I'm getting this right because I don't build very well. Although I was on the tools this week, Dan, you'll be impressed. Knocked the whole wall out of my head. Wasn't great, we got it done. Jesus is the cornerstone. The reason that language gets used is because it was the first stone that was placed and every stone that was placed after that to mark out the foundations of the building, every stone that was placed after that was placed in exactly the same way that the first stone was placed. So it looks like this. They put a stone down on the floor to mark the, the uh, foundations or the footing of the building. And then every stone that was placed, their eyes stay on the first one to ensure it looks the same. Everything that gets built is built off the first stone that's laid. That's Jesus. So everything that we are doing in this house, every step that we are taking toward anything, from the way that we've dressed the building to the way that we, we use language like 
welcome to church rather, we use language rather, sorry, welcome church rather than welcome to church is because we're constantly trying to look back at the first stone that Jesus laid. We are constantly looking back to say, is this building what we want to build? Does this stand on the foundation of Jesus or are we building on a sand and when the storm comes, it'll get knocked over? See, what we have to do, and all of us have to do this, Jess and I have to do it in our marriage. When we have kids, we'll have to do it with our kids, is that we have to build our lives after the cornerstone in every instance. Vision is not just for the Sunday morning service. Vision is for your life. It's every day. Ask yourself this, where are me and my wife going? Where's my house going? Where are my kids going? Have I got a vision for my family? Have I got a vision based on the cornerstone that's Jesus Christ for where we're going? See, we do a vision Sunday because we think that we all need to, you guys, I need to get you on board with what I'm doing. That's not what Vision Sunday is for me. And that's not to say anyone else who does that's wrong. I'm just saying that's not the way we're going. Jess and I have to constantly in our marriage sit down and reevaluate. Are we going where we originally planned to go? Is this still where God wants us to go? Are we still building on the cornerstone? Are we still growing in Christ? That's what we have to do in this house. But that's what you have to do in your life. If you're a single, where am I going? Do I have a vision? Is Christ the center of that or is my own ambition the center of that? Vision is not one time. It's constant. Reread it. Redefine it. Go back to the, the, the drawing board. Where are we going as a family? That's where we were going 10 years ago. Have we reached the destination and we recast? Or have we come off course somewhere and we have to go back and reevaluate? Vision is every day checking, am I building on the cornerstone? Am I building how Christ would want me to build? But interestingly, Paul says here, he says, let each one take care how he builds upon it. I want to bring you back to a, a community understanding here. I want to tell you, you need to take care how you build upon what God is doing. You are not just in this house because you Googled churches in my area, found the top one and liked what coffee we made. If that's why you're here, please, please reevaluate. Go home tonight and pray. Say, God, where do you really want me? Where am I meant to be, to be grown into, but also to grow into others? But for most of you, you're here because you've felt God call you to be here. You've felt God ask you to be in this place, in this time. And Paul says here, let each one take care with how he builds upon it. I want to ask all of you to journey with us and take care how we build this house. It's heavy at times. And Jess and I have talked in us and as Dave said this morning, I, I have been spending a lot of time with discipling people. Why? Because I want you to be as burdened for this place and for this city and for this nation as I am. I want you to build upon the foundation that is Christ here so that we can do it out there and that so this nation can do it to the world. By word only at the moment are we the great south land of the Holy Spirit. By word, by prophecy. But imagine, just imagine, if that was by manifestation. If people come and they said, I want to go to Australia, why? Because there's something there I've never seen before. 
I want to go to the Gold Coast. Why? Because there's something there I've never seen before. I've felt God there like I've felt him nowhere else. Imagine if that is what it means to be the great Southland of the Holy Spirit. And God is asking you and me to usher in that move, to become image bearers, to carry the very dust of Eden that we were created from into this place so that when people come, they say, I don't know what it is about that house or that city or that nation, but I want to be there because God's there. I want to take some of what they've got. Like the Old Testament story that I can't remember where it is, where he, he goes to get healed and he goes and dunks himself in the river. He gets healed. He comes back and he says, give me some soil that I might take it with me because there's holy ground in this place. See, what's happening there is he's realizing there's something gold here. Please, can I take it back to my family, to my friends? That's what this nation has been called to be. That's the vision, the exciting thing. But I want to ask you guys, take care how you build in this house. This is not Ben and Jess's church. We hear that language used and it makes me shudder inside. It makes me feel ill. Because we, the people, are the church. And you're not owned by Jess or I. You are before God only. We've been given a mandate and a call to lead a people, but not outside of Jesus. He is the head of all of us, the head of the church, but he's asking all of us to do what with him? Co-labor to see his kingdom come, to see his will be done. So I want to ask again, will you be careful? Will you, will you think through building upon the foundation that is Jesus? I don't want this to be a heavy word, and I apologize if it feels like that. It's supposed to be exciting and vision casting. It's probably why I don't do it. I'm not very good at it. But I just want you to be as, as pumped as I am to realize, God, what are you doing with my hands what are you putting before me that I can go and dig? What ground are you asking me to plow? What plants are you asking me to plant? What are the people you're putting before me? I'm going to show you right now the four values. Gotcha. Got a little note here. Get the language right. Four values. No, sorry, no, it's my bad. My bad? Going, just keep me on my toes. These four values, I've wrote these four points that I'm going to show you in a minute. For each one of these, in 2018, when God gave us a dream to lead a church, to lead up a section, pardon me, to lead a section of the church, the people of God, to lead this house, and I remember waking up and saying to Jess, Babe, I think God's just given us a blueprint to lead the house. And I was, whatever age it was, I don't remember, 20-something, 23, 24. But it was ludicrous. I remember looking at Jess and going, do we want to do this? God has given us this thing. Do we want to do this? So I went and sat at my computer and I just began to write what he showed me in the dream. I just began to put word on paper. And when I sat back and looked at it, I realized it wasn't me who had written it and that we were in a position to be called by the Holy Spirit to take charge of something that was well beyond our comfort zone. 
We were in the first year of our marriage and we were well beyond our comfort zone. And I remember saying to Jess, this isn't going to be easy. This is a mountain that we're going to have to climb and it's going to be hard. It's going to be difficult. But God's asked us. I don't know how it works. I don't know what it looks like. So we decided to sit on it. And we said, we'll wait for the confirmation. Five different people from this nation and from other nations called to affirm what we had seen. But he gave us four, four values and those values were reformation, focus, discipleship and missions. I remember sitting back going, this is not the typical pillars that you normally build upon. These are not the typical things that, that normally we would see in a house of love and, and, and freedom. And he began to break them down for me. So we're going to go to the first one. Katrinda, if I can have a slide. Yeah. Sorry, I need a clicker, apparently. You're a gun. Cat's the best, everyone. If you need someone to do something, you can't have Cat because she's already working full time. But she's the best. Okay. To become image bearers. I spoke about that last week. If you want to go and see that, it's in... The, uh, the slides for last week. But this was the first one that God gave me. The Bible has laid out a nature in which the New Testament church should operate. And it is plain to see in Scripture, which should be the basis for the local church. The church has made way for the traditions of man and laid to waste the core and move of God. This house will endeavor to return our expression of the church to the model that is laid out in Scripture a model that sees the kingdom of God here on earth as it is in heaven. This house will endeavor to redeem the nature of the bride of Christ that is evident in scripture and redeem the language and movements of the early church. This house will also begin the journey towards unity in the body in this city, this nation and the nations, redeeming the church of Jesus Christ as he intended it to operate. I by no means have a a arrogant self-view that we are going to change from this place the entirety of the church in Australia, but we are going to play a significant role in that. It may be small, but we are attempting to step into something to realign the church back to the, the, the understanding that heaven gave all the way back into Acts. And what we mean by that is not the aesthetic. I don't mean we're going to necessarily go back to not having any power and meeting in fields, although that can happen. The, the thing that we want to highlight from the, the church that met in Acts is the issue that Jesus went after, the issue of the heart, the heart of the people. This house does not exist to serve you and make you feel good. This house does not exist to serve you and to make you feel good. I hope that it hasn't hurt anybody too, too deeply. We are here to train and equip, to prepare ourselves to go in and, and follow the mandate that God has given us. Something that burdens my heart is where people leave churches because something they, they didn't like happened. They changed the coffee or the worship became too much this or too much that, or the guy started preaching too heavily on this or that, I want to ask you, will you walk those things out with us? 
There are journeys that we've had to go through where God has been speaking to me. I've said to Jess, I don't know if this is too harsh or not harsh enough, but God is leading us in this direction. And what we're asking in this time is that as a people, you would run with us on that. We wrestle these things through. We, we go back to Scripture and back to Scripture and back to Scripture. And often, and Dave and Shree and Sean and Coco and Josh can contest this, often I'll say, is this right? Guys, are we in the right spot? Are we reading this correctly? Are we building this correctly? Is our heart in the right place here? Because everything that we are doing, again, goes back to that cornerstone, looking back to that thing. When Coco and I changed the stage around and, and talked through what the lighting was going to look like, everything we did was, is this making it look like a stage to make people feel good or are we creating an atmosphere that allows God to move? If we have to, I turn the coffee machine off. We turn the lights off. We take instruments off the stage. If we have to, we go back to me holding a tambourine and shaking it and just singing psalms. <laughs> let the Lord, let the Lord come. We'll see, I'll ask, we'll pray. This stuff, this stuff can get in the way of our true worship to him. If God doesn't see it as worship, it's worth nothing. We waste our time. See, I want to encourage a people and, and, and charge a people to, to go back to what was Jesus saying? What does it really mean when he says that? What does he really mean when he says to Peter at Caesarea Philippi, push back the gates of hell? What does he really mean when he says this? What does he really mean where he says, go and make one talent to two and five to ten? What does he mean when that stuff happens? And how are we as a people doing it? That's what it means. For us to reform. Reform means this, to improve by alteration, correction of error or removal of defects, put into a better form or condition. There are things in this church, in this house, in this building, in us as a people that Jess and I may have put in that is in error, that is not helping us see the kingdom of God. The moment we realize what those things are, we will remove them. And we are praying constantly, what are the sacred cows? What are the cows that are here that shouldn't be Lord? Help us remove them. Because it's not helping us touch heaven. It's not helping us bring this place into the kingdom. Does that make sense? Does everyone understand? I do not believe that we are going to change the entire structure of heaven. Sorry, the entire structure of, of what church looks like in this city. And I'm also not saying that if someone else is doing something, they're doing a vision Sunday, they're doing lights and those sorts of things, I'm not, I'm not strictly saying that's wrong or bad. I'm just saying that's not what God's called us to do. That's not who he's asked us to be. That's not our identity. And that's why I'm okay for people to come and leave. If God's not called you here, don't be here. It's okay. I want to encourage you. I hope you find another church. I hope you find another building that people can gather. And if that's where he's called you, that's where I want you to be. But if he has called you here, I want to ask, will you run with us? Will you help us establish what he's asking us to establish? The next one is this, the how we do it, the focus. This house will focus on the ministry of Jesus Christ, 
Set your mind on the things that are above, not on earthly things. In keeping the main thing, the main thing, this house will focus on the furthering of the kingdom of God and not on the furthering of the kingdom of man. This house will not build according to the trends or comfortability of man, but will rather remain focused on Jesus with the aim to ready his bride. Learning how to hear and understand the Holy Spirit, this house will continue to seek his presence and express the nature of Holy Spirit. Jesus did only as he saw the Father do. He spoke only what he heard the Father say. Paul gathered people around him to follow him as he followed Christ. He knew Christ was the well of life. This house will act upon what we believe the Father is doing and saying through the Holy Spirit and will continually be renewing our minds and shifting our thinking back onto Jesus. This does not mean we are doing this perfectly. This is where we are going, not where we are. We are heading toward this. We are doing all within our power, all within God is asking us to shift our focus. One of the biggest, and I've said this a lot of times, but one of the biggest things that grieves my heart in the body of Christ is when we look at ourselves. When we sing songs about ourselves, I don't want to sing about me. I want to sing about the King. Because every time I picture that verse in Revelation 4 and 5 and they walk into the throne room, I can't imagine the angels there singing, I am loved by you. I just can't imagine that. It doesn't compute in my brain. When I, when I picture myself walking into the, the throne room of God, I just see awe on the king. I just want to sing about the king. When James sees, sorry, when John sees Jesus in the verse in Revelation, he is blown away by the glory and the beauty of the King. What I want to see as a people is always seeing our focus on Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. What does that look like? What does that mean? Does that mean that, that in my family I ask God, what are you doing? In my home I ask God, what are you doing? In this house I ask God, what are you doing? God gave me this challenge that I've got to bring to others, which is, which is encouraging and exciting for me because it was hard for me to answer. But I was praying one, one day and God asked me, Ben, if I was to send revival to the city, but you have to lay down community, would you do it? If I knew that stopping all of this, closing the doors, blessing you to go somewhere else, would bring revival to the city and I would be a nobody, would I do it? And the easy answer is yes, absolutely, God. Straight away, yes. But then you start realizing the little things that upset you, the little things that get your heart all angry and upset, and you start realizing that's a bigger question than just yes, Lord, of course. And I've got to ask other leaders that in the city, and the first answer within three seconds is, absolutely, I would. But then as you start to break that down in the little things, sacrificing your time, sacrificing your, your finances, sacrificing pain and suffering when people hurt you and loving on them, they're the things that God is asking you to pick up your cross, die to yourself, and live out my kingdom. Less of me and more of him. Less of me and more of him. What I want to build and what Jess and I are, are Asking God, Lord, help us continue to establish is a people whose eyes are fixated on the King. When we sing worship, it's fixated on the King. When we come with our problems, we lay them down and then we fixate ourselves on the King.
this morning during prayer, Dave was praying about guys being able to release their burdens, to let go of their pains. And as he's praying, I felt this urgency to say, do it quickly. Do it quickly. Why? Because while you're holding on to the stuff of the world, you're failing to worship and give glory to the king. Give it over quickly. Lord, hurry, take my stuff because I want to worship you in spirit and truth. Take my stuff. Let me just dump it all out. I don't want to hold it. And Coco's word this morning, that sometimes while we're holding on to our stuff, we can't surrender ourselves in worship. We have to get our focus onto him. There's a, um, a book at the moment that Coco and I have both read for the worship stuff by Jeremy Riddle called The Reset. And there's a quote in it that I found very elementary. Can I, can I have 20 more minutes? Is that okay with everyone? Thank you, everybody. I saw one to two nods and Coco's yes, and I thought, I'll take it. I'll take it. Jeremy Riddle, he has this quote. It says, this may seem very basic and elementary, but if we don't keep the presence connected to a person of the Holy Spirit, we miss the invitation to know him and to move with him. He is not a mist, a cloud, or a vibe, or an atmosphere. He is a person. He is a person. When the Holy Spirit comes into the room, we're not looking for a cloud or gold dust or tingly feelings or a yell and cry out or for people to burst into tears. We're looking for the glory and revelation of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Yahweh God in our midst is what we are looking for. The person face to face. When Jess walks home, when she comes home after being at work, I'm not hoping to smell her perfume and that's all I'm looking for. I want the person. I want to see Jess. I don't want the fancy smell. I don't want to tingle. I want to see, I want to commune with the person. (laughs) Just leave that right where it is. I'll just go ahead and leave that right where it is, eh? Wasn't the best uh, analogy I could have gone with it. Thank you, Edith. Thank you, Edith. But does that, does that make sense? Guys, we're not looking. We don't want a new age exciting feeling. We want a communion with the, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. We want to sit face to face with God. We want to feel the presence and power. If all God can do is give tingly feelings and clouds, he's not a very powerful God. Right? If that's all we're looking for, come, come and meet God. What will I see? You'll see a cloud, man, and you'll feel a good vibe. No, you will meet Yahweh God, the creator of the beginning and the end, the creator of the universe. That's who you're going to meet. Will there be tinglies? Maybe. Will there be clouds? Maybe. Maybe there'll be gold dust. Maybe there'll be this, that, or the other. That doesn't matter. What matters is that right there, I understand the glory and the power. That's the focus back on him. That's the focus. If that stuff happens, great. But if it doesn't, it doesn't matter because that's the power and glory of him. Next one, almost finished. Discipleship. This house will be a house that trains and equips the saints for the building up of the body as Christ intended. Understanding the scriptures and how they pertain to our contemporary lives, this house will create disciples who can go forth and create more disciples. This house will bear the image of God and show others how to do the same. It will go beyond creating, creating converts and delve into teaching 
slash revealing the ways of Jesus and leading people into a relationship with Holy Spirit who will ultimately disciple them. We are looking to create a culture of people who are avidly seeking the words of eternal life, the words of Jesus Christ. We aim to lead them deeper into who he is and what he has for them. I was hoping Sven was going to be here because I was going to give him a pat on the back, but we have got to see this multiply. I've been meeting with a heap of guys on Thursday morning to just go through the scriptures. And in that, he has, he has on his own back gone and got others to start his own. So as I take him into something, he goes and gets somebody else and is taking them into something. And I was so encouraged by this because there's so many of us who have been in church for so long, have been a part of the body of Christ for so long and not discipled anybody. And what he's decided and he's seen is this has changed my life. I want to go and teach it to somebody else. He's gone and got his one. Some of these guys have gone and got their one. They are thankful that, that God has given them someone who can help them unpack the scriptures, be freed, and they've gone and got their one. I want to challenge you this morning. Go forth and make disciples. Is not go forth and preach before thousands. If that's your gift and that's your calling, well done. Go and do that. But go forth and make disciples is get one. One. As you're being discipled, go and get one. Do you know that if the model of discipleship, one to another, if I disciple Jess in a year and then the next year, I teach her to go and get one more and I go and get one more. In 33 years, 33 years, we can see the entire nation discipled for Jesus. Not converted, discipled through a simple method. I get a year to teach her who Jesus is and get her to go and teach somebody else next year. And then I do it again. And then we teach, they do it again, we do it again. So there's what? However many people are here? And I don't mean bring them in here. I mean disciple them in Jesus. I don't care what church they go to. Whatever's closest, whatever God calls them to. I'm not saying this room should double next year. I'm saying the discipleship in Jesus should double next year. And then the year after that, it should double again. And the year after that, it should double again. And I'm not too fussed about whether they come here. I'm not too fussed about where they plug in, where God calls them. What I'm fussed about is us discipling people in the reality and truth of Jesus Christ. That their friends may know. That their friends may know. That in five years, your sphere of influence becomes a lot more disciples of Jesus. Real easy, one to one. Does that make sense? The last one. Oh. The mission field. Apostolic is the nature of commission. It's God's design to reach the world. Outreach and mission are the tasks within the apostolic mandate. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. This house will bring people in, train them, and send them back out into their spheres of influence. This house will not build unto itself, but will continue to send people to go and follow their specific call as God leads. This could look like church plants, leaders in this house, or just showing Jesus to the people in, in your everyday life. This house will take what God is revealing to us here into the city, this nation, and the nations. As God leads, we will take what he is showing us to reach, sorry, what he's showing us to the rich and elite and to the poor and needy. 
this house will train saints to carry the image of Christ and go into their mission fields, business places, shops, sporting fields, etc., and show the light of Christ in every aspect of their life. Instantly, the thought can be, how are we achieving mission? We don't run a mission strip at the moment. We don't go overseas. And you're right to ask that question. It's a good question. At the moment, that looks a little different. That looks a little challenged. But the mission field is not just the Horn of Africa. It's not just the slums of Asia. The mission field is your grocery store. The mission field is, is your football team, your work colleagues. Now, sometimes we can make it real easy. We can say, well, we are doing mission because I've told everybody to go into their spheres of influence. That's the starting point. At the moment, we work and operate, which I'm going to show a video next week with some of the guys that we're working in. We're operating into India and into Sri Lanka and just helping them however we can at the moment, sending them finances, praying for them. Um, I've preached in a couple of times to their church, those sorts of things. But again, that's also not really mission on a big scale. Jess and I can't do mission on a big scale on our own. It takes us as a people to be equipped and ready to go into those places. It takes us as a people to be equipped and ready to go into those places. I want to ask you, if, you're, if your question is, our community, how are you doing missions? My question is, I don't know, would you help us? I don't know, would you help us? Because I believe that there is mission being done. I'm seeing guys going into their spheres, into their spheres seeing their friends saved, seeing discipleship happen. But if that's your question, I want to ask you, how are you helping us achieve it? How are you helping us achieve it? Because I'm not saying we have all four of these things. This is where we're going, not where we are. But where we're going is not where we've been. Where we're going is not where we've been. See, vision can be exciting for us to tell you what we're going to do that you can get on board with. That's not the way I see vision. Vision is, hey, guys, this is what God's asked us to go to. We're going to start running that way. Would you come with us? Would you help us? Would you put your boots on with us? Would you stand with us? If you can't help physically, would you pray with us? Would you encourage us? If you believe in this, in this vision that God's put before us, if you believe you are called to be in this house, would you stand with us? Like Aaron, would you hold our hands? We are prepping a people to reach a city and a nation and the nations. And I don't know what that looks like right now. I'm seeing elements of it, guys growing, people praying who wouldn't pray before, people speaking who haven't spoken in a long time. Timmy leading us in communion on Thursday night. Deb standing up and sharing her testimony who hasn't spoken before a church before, people before. There's growth happening in our lives. There's things taking place. There's people coming through this building that I never thought would, who won't come to a Sunday morning because they've been hurt by the church, but they will meet with myself and others to just hear more about Jesus. There's things happening. But I want to ask you, would you come with us? Would you get on board with us? If your heart burns for Egypt, come, come and walk with us. I won't take it off you. I'll try and blow wind in your sails, help you understand I'm not about making our community events. There's guys in this house who are leading groups outside, prayer groups and ministry groups outside of this church that we have not taken and said that's our community now. I'm not into that at all. I want to empower us as a people 
to reach the mission field God's given us. I actually don't want our community tag name on there because then I don't have to do anything with it. I get to just encourage you. That's what I'm about, encouraging you. See, I've had people come and ask me, Ben, can we do this, this group? I'm like, absolutely. They say, would you put it in our, into our community? I go, no, because I'm going to slow you down. I'm going to channel it into a way that's going to slow you down because my heart, my vision is not for what your heart and vision is for. I will walk with you. I will cover you. I will be an elder into that space for you. But if God's birthing something in you, I want to blow wind in your sails. I want to see you reach the potential in the mission field that God has for you. The last thing is this. All of this that we do, everything that we are aiming toward in this house is for this. For the mandate that's been given to us from the very beginning, to love God, love your neighbor, to expand the kingdom and to make disciples. To love God, to love your neighbor, to expand the kingdom and to make disciples. Everything from the the Garden of Eden all the way through to Revelation reveals, in my opinion, these four things. Love the Lord God with all your heart. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. Expand the kingdom and push back the gates of hell and make disciples to continue the expansion of that kingdom. Everything we do on the cornerstone of Christ, we build on the foundation of Jesus, goes back to this. Love God. Love your neighbor. Expand the kingdom, make disciples. If you're asking yourself, God, what's my, what's my calling in life? This. God, what am I supposed to do as a Christian? This. God, I don't know where to start. Start here. I don't know what my gift is. Do this. What's my calling? Love God. Love your neighbor. God, I don't know how to make disciples. Just read the Bible with somebody. Open to John and start reading. And when they ask questions, say, I don't know. Let's find out together. The discipleship times I run, nine times out of ten, are me just fumbling through, trying to work it out alongside somebody else. That's discipleship. Iron sharpening iron, brothers standing with each other, asking God questions. But any time you think, Lord, what am I supposed to do in this house? Start here and let things start to unravel. Wow, I have a gift in this. I have a gift in that. Um, I can do that quite well. Does that make sense? Everything that we are building, everything that we are aiming for God to do in this house, in this city, in this nation is this. If we can achieve people loving God, loving their neighbor, expanding the kingdom, taking light into darkness and making disciples, we will have done what God's asked us to do. Is that okay? Why don't you stand and let's pray. Our vision is to become image bearers of Jesus. Our mission is to bring common unity around the cross into this house, this city, and this nation. And our values to do that, our reformation, to change our focus, to disciple a people, and to lead back into the mission field. Lord, we come before you right now. Lord, I just humble myself. Father, if I've, if I've presented your call in a way that's not of yours, may it fall away. But God, if, if this is who you've called us to be as a people, Lord, won't you set it deep in our hearts? God, won't you let the fire burn in the midst of who we are? Jesus, we long for your kingdom to come. We long for your will to be done. 
Above all else, we want to hear your heart. Above all else. Jesus, I just pray this morning that something has been unlocked in all of us. That God, as that question has been asked, what's in your hands? Lord, may that not be a condemning one, but be an encouraging, exciting one. God, that we can look to our hands and see that you have placed many mighty things in them. Lord, would you help us to co-labor with you, to stand and to build with you, to be one with you. Lord, you are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. We declare your kingship in this house. We declare your kingship in this city. And Lord, we declare your kingship in this nation, Lord. Would you bring the joy back to your people? Would you bring the joy back to the house of the Lord? May the church, your church, rise in this nation and be counted as lights and image bearers of you, Jesus. May your image be carried into this place and be multiplied in this nation. Lord, we love you. We honor you. We glorify your name. And we trust and believe that you are who you said you are. Jesus, in your beautiful name we pray. Amen.